This week's episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Summer Executive Institute at the Georgetown University McCourt School of Public Policy. The McCourt Executive Institute offers short courses that are specifically designed to enhance key skills. Small classes and hands-on projects allow you to engage with expert faculty at Georgetown in a format that is convenient for busy professionals. To learn more and to register, please visit mccourt.georgetown.edu slash execed slash short courses. Enhance, energize, and expand your professional skills this summer at the McCourt Executive Institute. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I'm excited to be joined by Professor Isabel Morales. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's really a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. As many of you probably know, Isabel has a great book on data visualization, Design for Information, and is a professor at OCAD University and is the host of an upcoming conference uh, in June, right? Yes, in, in June. June. Yeah, uh, in June. Information Plus that will be held in Vancouver. So why don't we start by having, Isabel, if you don't mind, if you would introduce yourself for folks who may not be familiar with your work. And then why don't you just start talking about this conference that it looks great. Okay. So my name is Isabel Meirelis, as you said, and I am a designer and educator. And I'm currently teaching at OCAD University in Toronto, Canada, as you said. And basically, my biggest interest is actually in the relationships between visual thinking and visual representation. So I bring that both to my classroom in the class that I teach in information design and visualization, as well as into the research that I do. So one thing that I was always kind of bugged is that my own community of graphic designers don't talk much about visualization, funny enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so basically that was more or less the impulse for thinking about organizing this conference, mm -hmm. the Information Plus. So Information Plus, it actually encompasses three events. So one is the conference itself, which is a single track two-day conference on June 16th and 17th, a one-day hands-on workshop on Saturday, June 18th, and an exhibition of information design and visualization projects running uh, uh, for a longer period from June 6th to July 3rd. Hmm. So it's kind of a mix of um, academic conference, if you will, because we actually opened uh, for contributions, both from academia and industry. We didn't want it to be uh, solely industry. And I keep saying we because I have a, a collaborator, uh, Catherine Gilson from uh, Emily Carr, so pretty much we opened up for two types of contributions, for 20-minute uh, uh, paper presentations and for five-minute lightning talks. And we had an incredible phenomenal response. So volume and quality and diversity of the, the submissions were incredible. And it ended up that we had like roughly 22% acceptance rate, wow. um, which is uh, yeah. quite incredible. Yeah. And so with that, it's like, as you hear from anyone who organized conference, there were many incredible papers that actually were not accepted for presentation. And, and for us, it was a very important issue that we kept it a single track. Mm -hmm. So we are really trying to attract a very diverse uh, group of people to discuss visualization in general, but more specifically issues concerning the design aspect of it. So it's not only designers dealing with the design aspect of visualizations, but we have a lot of people in computer science, in journalism, and many other areas that actually 
always have to think about these issues uh, of design right. and we can even discuss what those are. So just to give a sense of the um, diversity, so you have people from diverse areas, from, from journalism, from computer science, from design, from biological data, from working in science, science labs and, uh, and many working in industry with nonprofits and so on. So I can walk you through if you, if you want. But also we had incredible diverse group of people coming from different countries. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have actually um, one, two, seven countries. We actually have uh, researchers from Canada, from the U.S., from Germany, from England, from Mexico, Italy, New Zealand, and Chile. Wow. And very balanced, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Very balanced gender-wise. Oh, so, so, which is interesting. So how have you ended up organizing the conference? You have the 20-minute talks and then the five-minute talks. Are they sort of all mixed together or you have different tracks within the, the single track? Yeah, so it's actually all mixed uh, together. Mm -hmm. So it's actually because it, it was actually we've contributed talks. So we have two incredible uh, keynotes. Mm -hmm. So the first keynote in the first day is Tamara Munzner, and so who has uh, a fantastic, I, and I think she was in one of your shows on education. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so she has a fantastic book, uh, Visualization Analysis and Design, and she's actually local to Vancouver. So she's a professor at University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Okay. So she is uh, opening the conference the first day. And so she will be discussing, you know, a very structured way in which she actually think about visualization and design and, you know, that actually follows what I believe is a fantastic book. Mm. And that is followed by one of our invited speakers, who is uh, Scott Murray. So he will be discussing issues on uh, online learning experiences. So it, there's interesting enough, there is a lot about literacy and education, even though, you know, and from diverse areas, right? Yeah. So following that, we have some contributed talks. So the first one after that is actually Andy Kirk. He's coming from the UK. I believe a well-known uh, person in the community because he's done a lot uh, in terms of providing a lot of resources, especially in his website, which I believe is fantastic. But he's actually discussing the experiences from his several years of visualization literacy workshops. Mm -hmm. And then we have, you know, two other uh, contributed talks one from the Ohio State University, actually discussing how to bring visualization literacy in the large research university. And these are people in design uh, department, actually, but discussing these larger issues of research universities in the U.S. And presentation by the group of uh, Paolo Ciocarelli, the Density Design Lab uh, in Milano. Uh, it's actually presented by Michele Maori, uh, and they're discussing a, a project that they did that connects with Wikipedia uh, of inviting students to design for the pages of Wikipedia, which is a very interesting proposal. Yeah. That is followed by lightning talks that actually talk about that. So among okay. them are, you know, people teaching undergraduate uh, uh, students in Canada, Angela Norwood, uh, also in Canada, but in a computational environment, Margin Egermont from the University of Calgary, and someone you know quite well, Heather Bradbury, talking about MICA. Right, right. Well, I'm feeling pretty good because this is a great lineup, and many of these people have been on the show or will be on the show. So I'm feeling yeah. good about this. This is this. It sounds great. It's a. It sounds like a great mix of the academic side and then the practitioner side, um, and of course the education side. I'm curious about a comment you made earlier about 
maybe designers not thinking so much about the data and then the data people maybe not thinking so much about the design. So do you think, obviously this, this conference is a step to try to bring those groups together a little bit. When you are teaching and when you're talking with people, do you see a common theme in trying to get those two groups like over the, over their respective humps of the things that they don't know? Are there, are there things that pop up that you see time and time again that designers aren't thinking about or data folks aren't thinking about that maybe this conference and, and other work will help them overcome? Yeah. I think that with the boom of visualization, when now everyone is doing visualization. Yeah. So it's no longer an area of computer scientists where a lot of the initial efforts uh, resided, right? Given the NSF uh, initiative, right? Yeah. In the end of the, the mid of the 80s, I should say, right? Uh, or the designers on one side, right? Who actually have traditionally worked with jur- in journalists. That's my entry point when I start. I, I didn't study graphic design. When I started working with designing, I entered into the editorial room, right? Mm-hmm. And which is a, a lot of entry point to many graphic designers. But now that we're all doing it, right? Whether you are in biology, in economy, you know, it's yeah. like everywhere everyone has to do not only as a means of communicating their findings, but also of understanding given the amount of data that we are all, we all have access to. Right. Right. But I think that a lot that we need to do is not only talk to each other so that we can shortcut a lot of problems that we have already overcome in our own disciplines. Right. So there are lots of things in design that I know that doesn't work that eventually I can shortcut for other people who don't have that experience and likewise. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I believe that it's not only by putting people in the same room, but also by collaborating, by creating more ways of collaborating. Mm -hmm. But as an educator, I think a lot has to do with education. Mm -hmm. So there are things that my students, my design students, would need to know more about statistics or computational methods of mining data or cleaning data or whatever that is, right? That eventually uh, statisticians, statistics students might learn from our side, right? Or yeah. how we go about presenting data or creating hi- visual hierarchies and so on and so forth. And the same with yeah, I think we need one of those one-on-one platforms. Yeah, for know. everybody. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm curious about the research that you're doing. You've done a lot of great work in the past, especially sort of on the mobile side and a lot of sort of data art projects. But I'm curious about some of the projects that you're working on now at OCAD. Okay, so right now I'm actually working on three larger projects, right? So the the conference, of course, right, which is like, taking way more time than I thought, but it's a real pleasure because I think it's going to be a fantastic event and there's two tickets available if people are interested. And so it's uh, informationplusconference.com. Mm-hmm. Basically, the other two projects, one is an AAGA, the American Institute for Graphic Arts, or is, which is the main association of graphic designers in the US. And I received a grant that I'm working on interactive visualizations. So I'm actually analyzing some interactive visualizations in a similar fashion that I did for the book. So I've been looking a lot in terms of trying to create a framework for discussion. There is a lot that exists out there in terms of interaction and a lot of work done, especially in the computer science community. But what I'm trying to do is actually narrow down, creating a a simpler framework for designers to better uh, understand. And for that, what I'm doing is I'm separating issues of presentation from issues of representation. 
right? Mm -hmm. So the ways in which we represent the data mm -hmm. and the ways in which we present, including the presentation in, in how we interact with this data, yeah. right? Which is actually normally part of the presentations. The way we teach, like, okay, you have a data set, so how do you communicate that? Should it be static? Should it be interactive? To what, to what extent interactive? And so there are issues that concern presentation that actually can be thought or sometimes it's effective. It's good to be thought separately from the representation. What is the structure of the representation, the right. data representation? Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, how do you how do you do that test? How do you split those two pieces in, uh, apart? Yeah, and so in the past, um, about a few years ago, there were several presentations, if we think about visualizations at the New York Times, to give an example, or other uh, news media organizations, that had the slide sections. So you click on one, two, three, four. So it's, it was kind of sequential in yeah. a way, but also it would allow you people to jump from one to three. So there was a presentation. It was, there was a definition. Okay. We need to parse out this information into small chunks so people can very slowly understand so that it can go either from simple to complex or kind of hold someone in the hand, yeah, right? Yeah. That is a presentation issue, right? Mm -hmm. Because that same information could be presented like in a long scroll, right? More recently, we're seeing a lot of long scrolls, right? right. Which I particularly have a problem because I often see myself going up and down and up and down. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, it, it goes back to some issues that uh, Herbert Simon actually was against, right? In his seminal paper, on why a diagram is worth 10,000 words. You know, I have to remember the correct yeah, name yeah, for that. Yeah. I can send you the link, but but pretty much explaining the difference between sentential and visual uh, indexing of information. So it's basically the sentential or anything that is in text, right, or in a list, you have to keep going up and down in that list, mm -hmm. right? right? Whereas when you have something that is visual, you have it simultaneously in front of you, right? So most of the time, the information that you need to be together, they are spatially together because that's part of the principle why they should be put together. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the problem I have with this very long scrolling is exactly the problem that Herbert Simon had uh, raised about sentential information, right? Mm. And so anyway, but... I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, so the scrolly telling versus the steppers is really interesting topic, I think, in general. I think it's perhaps even more interesting when it comes to thinking about desktop or traditional viewing versus mobile, for example. And I know you've done some work on mobile technologies. And so I'm curious whether you feel that the mobile technology, a tablet or a phone, it changes the way that we interact with that, where maybe a scrolly telling approach, a vertical scroll might work better on a phone, but doesn't really work on a, on a desktop. Or if it's just, you know, that's not the best way to communicate. It's not the best way to read. And it doesn't matter if you're using your mouse wheel or if you're using your finger to swipe. That's just not a way that you think people can interact and learn the best from. Yeah, I think it's a complex answer. I don't know if I have one single answer. Mm -hmm. And I think it also um, would depend on the content. Um, so it's interesting that I think in my more anecdotal right uh, view um, is the whole idea of the scroll came back we, after we saw the mobile, yeah. the smartphone, yeah. right? It, is, it was something that was 
really not welcomed in the past, right? Yeah. And and then suddenly became standard, and we are seeing it everywhere without critical thinking. I think, right? Mm-hmm. So now to go back to your question, right? So with larger and larger number of people reading the news, for example, on their smartphones mm-hmm. or their tablets, and most of the time tablets not so much, but really on mobile phones. And I do that oftentimes. It's like the news organizations have to think how to design those, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of conversation about whether actually the design should be mobile first. So a lot that is being discussed is what comes first, if there should be first. In my view, I think it should be um, device specific. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are certain things that work better for device and other. And so there are some examples of that. I recently gave a talk in that regard. And so I've seen some trends uh, as people are doing for specific devices. Most of the time it's too expensive to do that. So people are doing for mobile first or actually even worse are actually removing the complexity and the refinement, the level of refinement that we've seen in interactive visualizations online to actually presenting things in a static mode in the mobile, given the light version of how it works, and I'm more familiar with, pardon uh, your your listeners, I'm more familiar with iOS system uh-huh. yep. than I am with the Android. But, you know, given the light system of Safari, for example, in the iOS system, you know, that doesn't allow you for certain interaction modes. Right. And so one has to remove them. You know, it's not simply a question of, okay, you just open it in a browser, right? Right. right. Um, so it's it's a complex issue, but I think uh, the immediate response that I've seen from the news media is actually simplifying rather than finding specific solutions, which I think is a pity. Mm. There's a beautiful example where The Guardian um, did last year of the Mekong, Mekong mm-hmm. River yeah. that actually they designed differently for the online and the mobile app. And so the navigation, which is long scroll in the online, is actually goes down and sideways in the mobile. So there are interesting solutions that I'm seeing, and I think I welcome those. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw a piece from, I think, the BBC a few days ago on the Ganges River and the the pollution of the Ganges. And, And I was reading on my phone, and it was a vertical scroll, and the text sort of went... You know, there were images interspersed, but the text sort of went on top, and then you'd read through and you'd come to another image. And I thought the the mobile experience was great, and I, I really I really appreciate it. And then I got to my office and, and looked at it online, and it was the exact same experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what that means. That maybe I don't know if that meant they 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 thought mobile first and it just worked well on the on the desktop as well. But um, that difference is interesting. It's also interesting that you mentioned the sort of stripping away some of the complexity. I just had a conversation with someone about the idea that we should put interactives on top of sort of a static graph so that people can, you know, get the numbers off the line. And I sort of, I'm sort of evolving to think that I don't know if people actually do that. And I don't think you tap on the line and that really gives you any more information. But the response was, well, we want to target a particular user who wants to be able to see this graph and get a certain value for their boss or for their day. They want to know that this thing is 12%. So I'm curious whether you think that level of complexity is worthwhile or whether we should be going back to statics or whether that simple line graph should be made you know, more interactive or more complex. Is, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not saying that there's a solution to this, but I'm wondering where you sort of see both where we are now and, and where we're headed as the field evolves. Yeah. 
Well, I think that even a simple interactivity of pointing to a line and yeah. seeing a number or to a point and seeing what that number is in detail, just not getting just the overall um, kind of feeling of it, right, from what that we get. Is it's there if people I kind of welcome it mm -hmm. because it's there if someone wants. Sure. So okay, if other people don't want and they just want to read, uh, get this overall sense, fine. But if someone is more curious and wants to start digging deeper, mm -hmm. so it's more uh, on on demand. Yeah. I actually think it's possible and it's easy to do it. So why not? Yeah. So I actually welcome that, and I don't think I think even at very simple levels of interactivity. So it's, it's, we're not pretending that people are exploring data any further. Yeah. It's not filtering. It's just, okay, if you want to learn a little bit more, here it is in case you want. Mm -hmm. And so why not, right? And, right? and that would be my answer. Yeah. So I think we have a gain from that in terms of interactivity. There are certain models that I've seen, like, for example, I often read The Economist. And so it's interesting. I, I read The Economist in my mobile, right? Mm -hmm. And so pretty much what is interesting, some of the things that they've done in, in the recent uh, past, that sometimes they put a little caption there. There's a little fine line that says, if you want to look at this in more detail, go online. And so when you go online, you find some different visualizations that are actually more complex that you can actually interact right. with. Right. So that is a different model. It's presenting different types of visualization depending on the platform where you are. And the other trend that I'm seeing is also a lot of use of motion, right? And so there are some very short movies that are sort of explanatory movies yeah, yep. that I find very uh, interesting, even if you think of small animated GIFs that we now see in social media. Yeah. So Malofiesh, right, the competition, you know, long time uh, competition for visualization, which was in 24th edition this year. Actually, this year it started a new category on social media. Wow. Oh, so, so it's actually looking yeah. at this very little animated graph, you know, that people are tweeting. And so it's just this kind of teaser, if you will, that actually tells a little, okay, this is a little understanding about how... Yeah, this line moves, yeah. Right. You know, and so, uh, yeah. That's interesting. That is really interesting. Well, um, I guess we'll just see, and I'm looking forward to hearing, unfortunately, I won't be able to make it, but I'm interested in hearing how your uh, conference pans out. It sounds like it's a great lineup. And uh, I will post, of course, the link to the conference on the show page. So, Isabel, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been really super interesting. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure. And I really love uh, PolySphere. So uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening and for tuning in. Uh, please let me know if you have any questions about the show or suggestions for guests. So until next time, this has been the PolicyViz podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week's episode of the PolicyViz podcast is brought to you by the Summer Executive Institute at the Georgetown University McCourt School of Public Policy. The McCourt Executive Institute offers short courses that are specifically designed to enhance key skills. Small classes and hands-on projects allow you to engage with expert faculty at Georgetown in a format that is convenient for busy professionals. To learn more and to register, please visit mccourt.georgetown.edu slash execed slash short courses. Enhance, energize, and expand your professional skills this summer at the McCourt Executive Institute.